I am excited to be here this morning because I'm talking about something that is very dear to my heart. And God has been dealing about perfectionism with me for the last couple of months. I would actually say more than more than the last couple of months, maybe the last couple of years. But something that sparked it up was the fact that I decided after, now I need to think how old are the children, nine years, I'm going back to the gym. We moved back to Papamoa from Makatu so I can go back to the gym, right? So my first session came up last week and we're going to do this. It's five o'clock in the morning, no, six o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and I'm meeting somebody there, so I made sure that I have a gym partner, so I have to rock up. I can't cancel on them. But all the time while we were planning this and signing contracts with the gym membership and doing all the stuff, getting all our ducks in a row, God kept saying to me, don't break yourself. And I'm like, don't break myself. Like, I didn't really get it, right? So I was talking to God about this all the time. And and the night before, again, I said, why do you say this to me, God? Don't break yourself. And he said to me, if you are going to try and make this perfect, you are not going to be able to sustain this. And then I remember my attempt three years ago when I briefly, I don't even say that I attended the gym because it was that briefly. So I briefly attended the gym and I gave it my all on the first day. I was so enthusiastic and I wanted to give my everything and I wanted to be perfect because I believe in consistency, but also in perfection. And who has ever practiced or gymed so hard that they literally cannot get out of bed the next morning? Going to the toilet is a massive struggle Men are more privileged because they don't have to sit down every time they go to the toilet. And every time you want to have to go to the toilet, you need to pray because it's so sore, right? And then I would give up because then I can't go to the gym for how many days? I think my last time I did that, it took me two weeks to recover from that. Two weeks before I could go back to the gym. My speed was broken and I just couldn't keep going. And God said to me, don't break yourself. Take it slow. And for the first time in my life, I can say that I am taking it slow. For the first time. Because we have this illusion, right, that if I do it perfect, it means I won't fail. If I do it perfect, it means I won't fail. So I've got this statement that I want to read to you, and then we're going to start unpacking it, right? It says, when perfectionism is driving Shame is riding a shotgun, and fear is the annoying backseat driver. When perfectionism is driving, shame is riding a shotgun, and fear is the annoying backseat driver. So I want us to look at shame, right? Because where does perfectionism come from in our lives? Is it a godly principle that we need to implement into our life, being perfect? Or is it something, is it a trick that the devil has gotten us to believe is something that we need to do, which is godly, right? So I believe that shame, that we struggle, if we struggle with perfectionism, it is because the areas that we want to be perfect in, that is the areas we feel most vulnerable to shame. The areas we want to be perfect in is the areas we feel most vulnerable to shame. You see, Perfectionism is a cognitive process. It's a cognitive behavioral process. 
It's a way of thinking that say, if I feel perfect, if I look perfect, if I live perfect, if I work perfect, then I can avoid or I can minimize criticism, blame, and judgment. Now, are those three things godly principles? They're not. Criticism, blame, and judgment. You see, we think that perfectionism is a way to avoid shame, where in actual fact, it's a function of shame. It's a function of shame. So we all have an area in our life where we want to be perfect, right? But it's a function of shame. So we need to go look at deeper. What am I shameful about? Where's there shame in my life that God wants to deal with to get me out of the cycle of perfectionism? I wrote here, you cannot ever do something brave if you are wearing the straight jacket of what will people think? But you see, we put that jacket on and we let it hold us so tightly because what will people think? How will I look? How will I look? I feel that shame is a part of the devil's plan. And I want us to look at Romans 8 verse 1. The heading of that section actually says, escape from bondage. And it reads, therefore, it's a verse we all probably know really well. Therefore, there is no condemnation. And then the amplifier says in bracket, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ, who believe in him as a personal Lord and Savior. I believe that condemnation is from the devil. I think it's a demonic thing, right? He uses it over our lives. Because if you are condemned, it goes hand in hand with shame. Hand in hand with shame. So what are the main links between condemnation and shame? There's a negative self-judgment that takes place. There's a feeling of unworthiness. It impacts your self-esteem. And there's an emotional and psychological effect in your life. That's actually really big. There's an emotional and psychological effect in your life. I would really encourage you to read verse 2 and 3 in the Amplified at home because it really goes neatly hand in hand with us. But I also want us to look at fear. We're going to look at 1 John 4 verse 18 where it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. You see, we are so scared of judgment, and we are so scared of punishment, and we are so scared of being inadequate of whatever you need to do. And we're not only scared of it from the public or from people around you, but we're also scared that God might feel that we're inadequate. We're not perfect enough. We're not doing well enough. We're not achieving as much as we should be achieving. But you see, before man can even judge us, and God, because God doesn't judge us while we're here, only one day after we passed away, that's when the judgment comes, right? But we are so scared of man's judgment that before people can judge us, you know who's your biggest critic? 
is ourselves. We are so scared for the judgment of other people. We fear it so much that before they can give it to us, we give it to ourselves. Right? We judge ourselves. We criticize ourselves. You know what we do? We pick up the shame and we put this coat on and then we wear it. Now, I want to just make sure that you know that there's a very good difference between healthy striving towards excellence and perfectionism. You see, everything is created by God. How can I say that? Because the devil does not have creational powers. God has created every single thing in this world. But then the devil came and he took everything and he made a negative version of it, a copy of it, but a negative copy, right? So what, what did God create? God created healthy striving and the devil came and he created perfectionism. You see, I can be a healthy striver one day, amazing, healthy, but then I can be a perfectionist on another day. You know what it depends on? My self-worth of the day. It depends on my self-worth on that day. So healthy striving is internally focused. I want to do this to the best of my ability for me. Where perfectionism is all about what will people think. So I want to give us a couple of facts about perfectionism, right? Perfectionism is not a form of self-protection. You see, we are so scared of being hurt that we wear perfectionism as this 20-ton shield around us, thinking it's going to protect us. But you know what it actually does? It keeps us from being seen. It keeps us from being seen. What is the biggest thing the youth wants in this world? They want to be seen. They want to be valued. And it's not only youth. I think they just make it more visible. But every single one of us here wants to be seen. Not just high wants to be seen, who you are, who you really are. And then we want to be accepted. I wrote here, fear is the, uh, we fear the world is going to see us for who we really are, and we are scared that we won't be measuring up. We are scared that we won't be measuring up. Number two, perfectionism is an unobtainable goal. Unobtainable. There's no way that we can control people's perception. No matter how hard we try, how much money and time we spend on it, we cannot control what people think of us. We cannot control how they perceive us. Yes, we can work on on how we communicate. We can work on how we present ourselves. We can work on the language that we use and be more inclusive and be this and that. And 
whatever you want to do, yes, but I still, I cannot control what people will feel and think and believe of me. I cannot do that. No money that you spend can control that. Just look at celebrities. Man, they spend so much money to look good, to be presented as amazing, to hide parts of their lives away. Man, and the media still comes and drags them through, through the mud because we cannot control it. And then this one is a, a very important one. It says, perfectionism is addictive. How can I say that? You see, we all experience a form of shame and judgment and blame in our life at some point or the other. If you haven't, please give me the recipe. But if, like, we all go through it from a little kid to being 90 years old. There's some form, there's something you're going to go through in your life where you're going to experience shame, judgment, and blame. But you see, because we believe we are not good enough, we're not perfect enough, instead of questioning the ideologic or or the, the faulty logic of perfectionism, we become even more entrenched on the quest to look and do everything just right. I have to try harder. I have to give more of myself in this area of my life. I have to be better. I have to learn more. I have to equip. And then some people believe that perfectionism is a form of self-improvement. How many of you have noticed that all these things that I've given about perfectionism is all about me, 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 me? Where's God in this, right? Where's God in this? I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to. I have to self-improve myself. Where's the Holy Spirit doing a job in you? Why do I have to do it? I wrote you, perfectionism is at its core about trying to earn approval. Early praise for achievement and performance has become a dangerous and deliberating, um, debilitating, sorry, debilitating belief system. I am what I am, what I accomplish and how well I accomplish it. You have to please perform, perfect, improve. And then the last one is perfectionism is a key to success. You know what, and the church is a great example of that. doesn't matter how perfect we run a Sunday morning. I can't bring the people here. That's God's work. I can't keep the people here. That's God's work. It's not a key to success. So I've looked at some research and striving for perfectionism actually hampers achievement. And that's exactly what God said to me with the gym. Don't break yourself. And then there's actually um, some research that says there's a correlation with depression, anxiety, addiction. Wow. All these negative things. So if perfectionism is of God, then how can all these negative things be linked to it? Right? It doesn't make sense. But yet, that's what we are being taught. You've got to be perfect. 
Man, if you sing up here, you've got to be amazing. No, you just have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This morning in our prayer meeting before church, um, somebody opened, um, asked if they could say something. And they said, oh, they've been told that when they sing, their voice gets filtered through the Holy Spirit before it reaches God. And so that's why it's a perfect sound by the time it comes to God. Exactly. Why? Because it's a Holy Spirit work. So it doesn't even matter what happens here or in this, between the seats, right? It doesn't matter. But you see, the fear of failing and making mistakes and not meeting people's expectations and being criticized keeps us outside the arena where healthy competition and striving unfolds. Because you see, there is a form of the godly version of this, right? That we need to strive towards. But then the devil comes and he just mixes it all up. And we fall for it because we, we get taught these things, right? So I want to give you a key thought, right? Perfectionism sets, up, uh, sets us up to feel shame, judgment, and blame, which then leads to more shame and more judgment and more blame. It's my fault. I'm feeling this way because I am not good enough. And I want to add something in here that God's giving me now. It's also oversensitiveness. It's so part of this. Because if you want to be perfect, and then somebody comes and they criticize something small, something that's not even worth spending time on. They're just making maybe an observation, but you immediately take it as criticism. Because you are so oversensitive, because you have to be perfect. Perfect. The bar is here, and if I don't mean it, there's a problem. So what does the Bible say? So I want us to look at Philippians 3, verse 12 to 15. And this is where Paul is writing. And he's talking about the value of knowing God and having intimacy with God. So if you were here a couple of months ago or weeks ago, you would know that when I talk about intimacy with God, I often use the phrase saying, into me you see. Because when you have intimacy with somebody, you see into each other. You become one, right? Into me, you see. And what have we been talking about? You want to be seen. That's why God wants so much intimacy with you. He wants you to see him. He wants you to see, and, and you want to see, <laughs> that didn't come out right. You want to see him, and he wants to see you in the deepest parts of your heart. We don't allow anybody else in, right? So this is what, what, what Paul is talking about, is achieving this, right? So it says, the heading of this is pressing towards the goal. And we start with number, uh, verse number 12. It says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on. You see, because there's a journey. I press on. To possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. And I want you to take note here, because at any point in time, while we read this verse, or these verses, does he say that his efforts are worthless? Or that it is a problem that he has not achieved perfection yet? No, 
he says it's a journey, right? He says he's pressing on. So no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing, and this is the golden bucket here. This is what you've got to take home. I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. You see, because when we look at our failures, when we look at our shortcomings that's behind us, when we look at everything where we have not achieved that bar, everything that we've been criticized for, everything that we lack, and we focus on that, then what happens? It's that push and pull thing that I explained with intimacy. The more you look into that, the closer you get to that, and that is what you look into. That is what you draw near to. That is where the intimacy is going to happen. But you see, if you forget about the past, and you forget about your mistakes, and you forget about your failures, and you keep pressing on, you will have more intimacy with God. And you'll go draw closer to God and closer to God. And you will see into Him. And you know what you will see back? is His reflection of you. Sorry, I went off on a tangent there. So verse 14. I press on to reach the end of this race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ calling us, Let all who are spiritually mature, and it says in the Amplified in brackets, pursuing spiritual perfection. Nowhere does it ever talk about physical perfection. Spiritual perfection. And we agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to progress, to the progress we have already made. We must hold on to the progress we have already made. Because you see, it's not about having perfection. It's about the journey, the road towards it, drawing near to God and nearer and nearer. And then sometimes you have a setback and sometimes we mess up and it's impossible to have everything perfect. We cannot have everything perfect. But you see, we have to hold on to the progress and that's the journey. We have to hold on to this journey. So there is some form and some level of self-critique that is natural because it can promote growth, right? Personal growth. But excessive shame and condemnation can be so harmful to your mental health and your emotional well-being. You see, learning the difference between healthy self-reflection and destructive self-judgment is essential to fostering Positive, a, a positive and resilient self-identity. And this is what it's all about. Because you see, if the devil can attack your identity, then he's got you. Because if you don't know who you are, he can sidetrack you so easily to believing something that's from the devil. See, your identity, we have been made into the image of God. That is our identity. That is our core. That is our being. But if we don't believe it, if we don't understand it, if we don't have an identity which God has given us, we will fall for anything the world offers us. Anything. Any standard, any belief, any value, we will fall for that. And especially on our our children, 
we, we set this bar so high, you have to be well behaved. I know as a pastor, I often have to pull back and say, yes, they are the pastor's kids, but you know what? They're kids. And yes, they're going to mess up and then they're going to have to learn from it. But they don't have to be perfect to be a reflection of me or of the church. They are their own individual. But we set these bars for our children and our family members and our work and ourselves. And it becomes our greatest downfall. You see, if we hold on to the past, then we allow the past to form our identity. But if we hold on to the future, we allow God to form our identity. And if we don't know who we are, how will we ever be bold enough to enter into the plan that God has for your life? So what, what, what can we do to counter perfectionism, right? And these are some biblical principles. And it's something that a lot of people really struggle with. Have mercy and grace towards yourself. You know, it's so easy to have grace towards other people. It's so easy for me to have grace towards you, Jules. You can mess up as much as you want. I have so much grace for you, but I never have that for myself. The bar's too high. We have it for other people. I mean, look at your children. How much grace do we have for our children when they muck up? Yes, there might be a form of reprimanding. There might be a consequence. Do we love them any less? Some of our kids have faults. All of our kids have faults. I look at my two. They have faults. Man, God, uh, Vincent's enthusiasm can so easily be his downfall. Do I love him any less? Do I have any less mercy for him for that? No. But for myself? What do we do for ourselves? We don't love ourselves. You see, if we allow ourselves to be seen, it means people see us for who we really are. And we all, we all desire that. We all desire to be seen, but you see, we have to embrace it. Something that I've struggled with my whole life, and I don't know why this happens. I have my own little theory. I'm not going to share it with you today. There's no time for it, but I mix up my words. So if you really know me, you will know that I, I just, I do it. There's no reason. I'm not, it's not that I'm not intelligent, Yes, English is my second language, but believe me, I do it in Afrikaans as well. It's just who I am. But my whole life, I've been so scared for people to know that about me. And maybe some of you have picked it up because I, I sometimes do it from here as well, quite often actually. And it's just who I am. But I used to hide it. And I had the need to tell people, I actually, you know, I've got this, this amount of degrees and one of my majors were English, which is my second language. So it's not that I cannot speak it. It's not, like, it's not that I'm stupid. But I mix, it, I mix it up. Silly things. And there's no reason. But I'm so, I've always been so scared people think that I'm stupid. But you know what? It makes me Nicole. Like, we'll always laugh. So if he had to tell you some of the stories that I mix up. Idioms. I can never get an idiom right. Man, I, 
I, I just I slaughter that thing completely. See, that's probably the wrong word as well. But that's who I am. That's how God created me. I cannot change it. I can do 50 English courses. I can do another 20 Afrikaans courses. I can, I can work on my, on my pronunciation and I can literature and, and whatever you want to. It's not going to change because that's just who I am. But now I've taken the stance where I just, well, by taking this position, I have automatically say it will be seen. But you know what? I just own it now. I used to do it here. It used to be the laughing joke um, in the mornings before church because I used to say pre-service, no, production. See, I still get it wrong. One of the two. I still get it completely wrong that Peter even made me a sign so I can start getting it right. And I own it. And I don't care if anybody laughs at it. It's okay. It's who I am. I know my worth. You see, I know my identity now. I didn't know it but I do know it now. And now I laugh with people. I don't feel that people laugh at me. They laugh with me. Why? Because I know who I am now. I've got that identity. Some of us has this perception where we feel like, oh, maybe God did a poor job. Because you see, if you only help me to make some process in my brain, work better, I wouldn't get my words all scrambled up. Or maybe if I thought a bit longer before I spoke, I would get it figured out and it would come out right, right? And we think, God, if you just made me a bit different. God, I think you got a few things wrong. We always used to make a joke um, and we used to say, oh, when God dealt, was dealing out, I don't know, uh, let's say, Patience, for argument's sake, this is an example. You know, that person or I, we were last in line. We didn't get a good enough dose, right? It's a joke, but that's kind of actually what we believe. We believe, oh, when God made me, this part of me, he didn't make good enough. He skimmed back on the amount that he gave me, right? But in actual fact, God made an individual masterpiece that he wants the world to see. But will you allow it? Will you allow the world to see you with all your imperfections? So at the prayer meeting this week, we had a small group, and God always moves when it's a small group. And we were praying for, I can't even remember what we were praying for, and God gave me this image of a, a vase. And it was a, I've done some research since, so I, I said it was a Japanese vase, but it was actually a no, I said it was a Chinese vase. It's actually in the Japanese culture that they do this, right? So when a vase breaks, they take gold dust, right? And they mend it. And there was a whole revelation for us during the prayer meeting with this. And that revelation was for one application. But as I was preparing this, I thought this is exactly the same. You see, we see our flaws. And that's where we want to strive to be perfect because we feel that it's shameful and we fear that how people are going to judge it. Where in actual fact, God's blood, it's the gold, right? That they use to mend it together and it becomes a new masterpiece. You are that masterpiece with so many gold sections on it where you've been mended and glued by God's blood. You're a masterpiece. You see, if you just fix something with super glue, you can see all the cracks and you can see all the lines. You can see all the imperfections. But you see, once you do it with the, with the gold dust, 
Now it adds value because it's gold. Now it becomes stronger. It's way stronger than glue. And it adds value to who you are. Now it becomes a masterpiece, worthy to be showcased, worthy for the world to be seen. But we try and hide it. And we shouldn't. The band can come up, please. I found it really, really great that the last song that they sang was Everything is Changing Now. And some of it read here, I throw off despair and I put on a garment of grace. I let go of shame and I receive my inheritance because I won't live in the past because you hold my future. Because you hold my future, your kingdom here at last. Man, you couldn't have picked a perfect, a more perfect song for this. Amazing. And that's exactly what this is about today.